Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Joyce Furrier from Soccer New England uh, we'll also be joined later on the show by Kyle McCarthy, writer for MLSNet.com and Gold.com, among other publications. Uh, and after that, we'll have uh, on the Houston Chronicles, Bernardo Fias, to discuss a little bit about uh, the upcoming game against the Houston Dynamo. Uh, but first of all, last night, or I should say Friday's game, uh, the Revs took on uh, Dallas. I mean, no, not, I'm messing up here, but uh, the Revs had a doubleheader, and they came away with a 2-1 to victory against Dallas. Yep, uh, they got two early goals there. Uh, first coming from Adam Chrisman, and then followed by one by Steve Ralston. Um, Ralston's, of course, on a penalty kick. Uh, but the Revs started the game pretty strongly. Uh, seen in, this, in the first half, they were having a little bit of trouble keeping possession after their two-goal lead. And in the second half, they really seemed to fall apart there, and Matt Reese came up at, huge to keep them in that game. Uh, Dallas scored a late goal in stoppage time, uh, but the Revs did manage to hold on for a 2-1 to victory that puts them in first place in MLS with a four-point lead. Uh, but how long can they rely on Matt Reese? He's come up huge in these past two games for them. Oh, he's been amazing. He's absolutely amazing. I, I don't understand why Bob Bradley hasn't called him up, but for our sake, I'm glad he's around. Um, I happened to be in the defensive end in the second half, and so I really got to, got a really good view of Matt's play. Uh, and and it, he just astonishes me, his, how quickly he moves, his reflexes, and just everything about him. He's absolutely phenomenal. In the Revolution defense, um, I know Nickel wasn't too happy with how they performed, but uh, the past the past two games against East United as well, where they had a comeback uh, to come back 2-2, uh, scoring the late goals in that one, uh, it really seems like the Revs' defense hasn't been able to put together a good 90 minutes, or the team overall, overall hasn't been able to put together a good 90 minutes in those two matches. Yeah, you're right, and and um, especially, you know, I was watching the defense, as I said, in the second half, and they just didn't seem to coordinate as well as uh, I was not terribly impressed with Albright um, and Parkhurst, who's a fantastic player, with whom we'll probably lose this summer, unfortunately. Um, he played well, but not as well as he has in other games. And I, I don't know that subbing in Kano helped at all either. No, Castro seemed to be doing a good job of you know, keeping possession when he got the ball, and that's not, yeah. not necessarily Kano Smith's strong suit. He certainly can be an explosive player and score some goals that when you don't expect it. Uh, but as a, as a substitute trying to hold on to a lead, I'm not sure he's the best option. I, I mean, he has gotten better defensively, but at the same time going forward, he's not going to be a guy that holds up the ball as well as Castro does. Yeah, it looked to me, though, some of Castro's passes, especially in the second half, he wasn't getting them where he was trying to place them, and he was losing the ball. And he seemed to be running out of gas just a little bit. Um, I, I would have preferred that he stayed in. I'm not a big Kano fan, but um, it's a win. It certainly is. I'm sure the Rebels <laughs> will take them any way they can get them. And yeah. now on a five-game unbeaten run, which is, I believe right now is the longest current streak in MLS. Uh, so certainly some good good results over the last uh, last month for the Rebels, but 
at the same time, some worrying signs, I'd say, for Nickel to look at. Uh, I know they're 4-0-1 in their last five games, but uh, they need to play, they need to put together a full 90 minutes, which is certainly not what they've been doing. Um, you mentioned Parkhurst. Parkhurst, I think, uh, this season hasn't been his best. Um, he's sti- still an excellent player and put together some great, great performances, but I think there have been a few games this year uh, where maybe he hasn't been as consistent as we'd you know, come to expect from seeing him over these past few years. Yeah, the, the, the one who always seems consistent to me, of course, is, is Shalry Joseph. I, I spoke to uh, Steve Nickel at a practice oh, a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, how much has he changed? And he says, oh, he hasn't changed at all. He's just smoothed out the edges, but he's always been that good. So <laughs> I guess he still has a lot of uh, a lot of faith in his central midfielder. Um, one player that's impressing me this year is uh, Adam Chrisman. Uh, he was okay last year, and Steve benched him, and I think it put lit a fire under Chrisman. He now seems to, of course, there's always the goal to that help, um, but he, he just seems to be working harder, trying harder, focused more than he, that he has been in the past. Um, one thing that's, that's going to prove interesting, I think, over the summer are the number of players that are going to have to go off because of World Cup qualifying, um, and that includes our new guys, you know, from Gambia. Um, I think the Gambians and uh, Kelly Dubay um, have a lot going for them, but they're still not really integrated very well into the team. They just haven't played enough. Although, you know, Dubay's goal was wonderful. What can I say? And, and you mentioned the uh, the players that are going to be gone. Mansali, of course, was gone last yeah. night with Gambia, and uh, that's why Chrisman got the start, really. He's been gone right. the past two games. And as you mentioned, Chrisman's been playing very well the past three games. Uh, when he's get, the past two games, really, when he's had that time, uh, for a while he hasn't been playing at all. He started out the season getting a couple starts, um, but really wasn't finishing his chances too well. He got a goal early in the season, but probably could add a couple more. Probably should have had a couple more. But really, in the past couple games, he's been playing so much better than you know, earlier in the season and last year. Uh, almost looks like a different player out there. He outshined, he outshined Dubé last night, I think. Dubé yeah. didn't really have necessarily his best game last night yeah, um, agree. after scoring goals three games in a row. I think he had a chance there uh, where, where he had a really poor first touch where Chrisman drew two defenders and, and he was open on the left side of the box and uh, probably should have scored there but instead gave the ball away with a bad first touch right at the top of the box. Uh, but he's another guy that's stepped up in absences of guys like Taylor Twelman. I mean, at, at the start of the season, if you knew that Twelman was going to be out now, who would think that the Revs would, would be in first place? Oh, absolutely. Twelman 45 minutes. Or the two young teenagers from a country in Africa would have such an impact in such a short length of time. Um, I, they've got no place to, to go except to grow in, into the whole system. And, and I do think they will. Uh, and, you know, as I said, it's going to be tough. going to be really tough with world qualifiers, with uh, Joseph prob- probably going back to... Yeah, certainly uh, expect him to be out. Yeah, back to Grenada. Um, Mansali. out as well. I'm sorry? Connor Smith should be out as well as Mansali. Oh, that's true. Well, <laughs> even so, we need him when we need him. Uh, yeah, so it's it's. It, I'm glad we've got a nice lead right now. We're going to need it over the summer. And we don't know if Kasser could be gone, too. He's certainly had a couple that's of true. appearance for Honduras. I don't know you know where he is exactly in their depth charts, but he's a guy that could be missing, too, and... Certainly, if both him and Kano Smith are out, that will be an issue for the Revs. Yeah, that'll uh, be a, that'll be a big problem. Of course, Parkers might get a t- some more time for the national team. Um, maybe not so much of a worry as uh, some of the other players. Surprisingly, I think Bob Bradley hasn't used Parkers as much as maybe I would have expected him to. You know, even when he has been called up, he hasn't played too much in the games he's been available for. 
but he hasn't been called up to most recent friendlies either for the U.S. national team. Maybe partly, partly that's because he didn't want to take away you know, too many players that have a huge impact on MLS if you look at the players he took away. Uh, but a lot of players of the Reds could be missing, and I think it's great that these guys have had time. You know, as, as bad as it's been to see a lot of these Reds players out injured, guys like Rawlson and Twelman, uh, it can only help that these guys are you know, going into the midpoint of the season with a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How much longer is Twelman likely to be out? Another month? Um, I think he's closer to coming back. Um, I don't don't expect him to be ready on Thursday, but right. from from what I've heard recently, it sounds like there's a chance he might be back for the uh, Wednesday game against the Red Bulls next, not next week, but the following week. And certainly that would be a huge bonus, yeah. huge help for the Revs. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I, I've also heard vague, vague rumors. He wa- just he still wants to go to Europe. I had heard that as well, um, dating back a couple months ago, but yeah. not not too recently. The same things. Certainly, it, I don't think it would help him the fact that he's been out, you know, pretty much the entire season. Certainly, if he's trying to impress and you know get get a big money offer that the Revs yeah. can't refuse. I know he's under contract for at least another couple of years after getting you know, the, the uh, big extension from the Reds a couple a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, I think just a year ago, actually. But I, I don't know if... I, I can't really see him going this summer. I mean, the Reds have brought in some players that could, could fill in for him, but I, I can't see them making an offer that would make it worthwhile for the Reds to sell him. As we've seen in the past, the Reds aren't going to sell Twelman for cheap. Oh, yeah. And, and I think the combination of the fact that he did sign a contract not that long ago, and he's been injured, um, and he's getting up there. You know, he's not 21, 22 anymore. Uh, can all work against him. He might go to, it's certainly not to um, the Premier League in England, I wouldn't say. But there may be a club over there, though. If not in England, maybe Germany or Scotland or, or somewhere like that. But um, right now, I just want to keep what we've got because a lot of them are going to, as we said, a lot of them are going to be missing over the summer. Yeah, it's, it's certainly been working well for the Revs so far with the players they have. But uh, as you mentioned with Tom, I. I certainly think there would be teams that would be interested in him, but I just can't see, uh, based on who, what, what the offers the Reds rejected in the past offseason, uh, Twelman going this summer. Um, I, I think Twelman is still happy to be playing here on the Reds, yeah. uh, especially with the contract he has. Um, we know Joseph got a new contract that uh, somewhat recently last, last year that uh, will keep him with the Reds for a while longer, too. Yeah, I think, so. he's got, I think he told me it's four years on it. Yeah, something like that. And, yeah. and uh, I think Parker, as you mentioned earlier, is probably the biggest worry uh, over the summer, I think his contract is actually up at the end of the year. And he's, yeah. he's, he's mentioned that he's not going to sign a new one. He wants to play it out and see what's available. Not He ha- certainly hasn't ruled out coming back to the Revs, but th- that's another thing where maybe he won't go in the summer because he can get a better chance going in the winter when the team's enough to pay for him. That's that's true. Um, he has the Irish connection, so he, w- he, he would have a much easier time going than, say, somebody like Joseph because, you know, he hasn't played... If he plays with Grenada, but he just hasn't played that many international games. Grenada and in general doesn't play that many international games either, which yeah, doesn't help. That's case, that's that's true. That's true. He's certainly a player that I think regrets uh, having. I know having talked to him in the past, regrets having played for Grenada uh, when he certainly could have had a spot in the U.S. Yeah. the way he plays these years. Yeah, well, it's a decision. I can understand why he made it, and I can understand. I, I mean, there's no question he he'd be playing tonight. I, I can't imagine. Bob Bradley would pass him up um, if he had if he had opted for the U.S. instead of Grenada, but that's where he comes from, and so I can see that. And talking about Joseph's importance to the team, he's played every game this year, along with Parkers, Jay Heaps, and Matt Reese. All of them have played every minute. Um, I think Heaps has done a good job on the left, making that switch. I think he's made it look yeah. easier than it. Yeah, yeah, I, really I was, Im- I, yeah, I was impressed with him. Um, was only Friday night, 
It seems so long ago. Um, yeah, I was very quite impressed with him on Friday night. I, I, I've always liked Jay. He, he's he's always he's he's one of the toughest, hardest workers. He may not be the best skilled, the best player that you're going to get out there, but he'll give you 110 percent and then some. So um, glad to see him doing so well this year. And then, of course, there was Reese who we talked about earlier. I know uh, before the show we were talking a little about the U.S. national team choices and the way Reese is playing. I think he's deserves another look with the national team. Absolutely. He's had a couple of chances, but really hasn't played that much at all for the U.S., regardless of how well he's been playing at MLS. Well, he's been called up, but how many caps does he have? I think only one or two. I know yeah. he's played you know, maybe half of a game. I don't I don't think he's been scored upon at all in this time he's playing for the U.S., so yeah. cer- certainly hasn't done anything wrong uh, to warrant no more call-ups, but he, he's still not that old and has a compared to some of the players that Bradley has called up in the past for the goalkeeping position, and I think he has a lot to offer. Yeah, and, and goalkeepers have a have a long shelf life. They're not like field players where they'll slow down eventually. Um, they don't have to run that much, obviously. Um, and they just seem to... I mean, look at, look at what we've got in Europe now. Brad Friedel, how old is he, 100? <laughs> Sorry, Brad. I know you're not older than me. Um, but Brad Friedel, Casey Keller. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing in England. And and they are forty something or close, uh, close to. to close to forty yeah close and, to and uh, Tim Howard and Guzan have been Brad Guzan from Chivas USA have been the two players that uh, Bradley is really focused on lately I think Guzan is certainly a good good uh, option for the future and has looked well in you know, the past couple of friendlies he's played in Howard is probably going to be the number one going into the World Cup but the World Cup isn't that far away now yeah I mean, two years away a lot of World Cup qualifiers. Uh, why not give Reese a chance in this friendly? You do have oh. to bring three goalkeepers. It's not just two. A- absolutely. Uh, and I-, I can understand Howard, but I cannot understand his taking Guzan over, over Matt Reese ever. Matt's much... It's, and, uh, I'm prejudiced he's on our team and all that, but um, he's so much better a player. And certainly Guzan is a younger player that may be good to get this experience, but I think in, in World Cup qualifiers, which just start next weekend now... Uh, oh, it's hard to believe it's that yeah, soon. It's hard to believe it's that close, but... I think that would be really telling. Maybe he doesn't feel like a guy like Reese needs the experience in these friendlies. Yeah. But uh, if, if we don't see him call up for any World Cup qualifiers, I think it's certainly a, a question to ask. Uh, how well does he need to be playing to actually get a call up? Yeah, I don't understand. You know, it's it's funny. Bob Bradley is the coach, and his son plays on the team. And my first reaction was, uh-oh. Uh, but I've seen Michael Bradley. He's a fine player. Nothing to t- it's, it's unfortunate. Definitely improved a lot since oh, yeah. the Red Bulls, too. Absolutely. Um, and more power to him. You don't hold it against him because his father's the coach, even though it looks a little odd. But some of, of some of Bradley's other picks, I I don't understand. I I don't know if he plays favorites or if it's habit or whatever. But I uh, uh, like like we said, Parkhurst absolutely, Matt Reese absolutely, and we'll take we'll keep the rest. <laughs> Speaking of Bradley's choices, I know I trashed Josh Wolf a lot last week and decision to call him up even when he's not on the team and not playing very well, and that's the reason he's not yeah. on the team right now, I'd say. Uh, there's, there's certainly a couple guys in that uh, on the national team right now that uh, I'm, I'm not really sure are going to have any impact sometime for the World Cup. That, yeah. As you mentioned, you do have to question Bradley's decision, but there are a lot of guys in MLS. If you look at the, if you look at the teams he's been playing, they've been mostly European-based as they've been playing over in Europe. Yeah. Guys like Ching haven't been called up, and guys like Kenny Cooper that could probably help the national team. Although he didn't didn't show it at all last night, or Friday night against the Revs, didn't not one of his better performances. But right, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of fours out there in MLS, particularly that uh, probably start over at Josh Wolf and even Eddie Johnson, uh, the way they've been playing. Do, do you think 
it, it, Bradley's trying to get a look. I mean, he should know what the, these guys are. I, I find it hard to believe he's just trying to get a look at them, and then he's going to go with, as you say, somebody like Kenny Cooper. Well, I mean, if you look at Josh Wolf, how many opportunities has he had over the past couple of years? It seems like he plays you know, any time Bradley gets a chance to play him. Yeah. And he has maybe one goal in the past three years, if yeah. that. Uh, how many more times do you play him? I mean, even Twelman's had a better scoring record. I know people complain about That's Twelman. Right. He's had a lot better of a scoring record than Josh Wolf, but Josh Wolf still keeps getting the call-ups. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope Bradley's listening. Oh, he won't be. He's busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with uh, Kyle McCarthy from Goal.com and MLS.com and talk a little bit more about the Revs this season and their performance on Friday. Okay, sounds good. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams, Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, again joined in studio by Joyce Furrier from Soccer New England, uh, photographer and writer for Soccer New England. And now we have over the phone Kyle McCarthy from Goal.com and MLSNut.com. Kyle, can you hear me? Sean, I got you. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Joyce, how are you? Good. So, so what, what were your thoughts on uh, Friday night's performance? The Revs... Got off to a good early lead, but uh, really seemed to not play so well after that. Matt Reese had to come up huge a, a lot of times in that game. Well, you know, that, that game's kind of the story of the season so far. I mean, a stretch of good play, um, but not not a great effort over 90 minutes, and Matt Reese comes up big uh, to ensure that the Reds get three points. And what are your thoughts on having these doubleheader games? I know they... Uh, the, the crowd wasn't there early, but part, part of that was probably because of the ridiculous traffic jams trying to get into the stadium, but does, does that help out the Revs? Or, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that kind of format? I, I think that the doubleheader certainly helps out the bank account. Um, I think in terms of the surface, um, it doesn't really help the Revs um, playing on that kind of grass, that sod that they laid down. Um, but... Overall, I mean, it's just a, it's a fact of life in MLS that you're going to have some double headers, and, you know, I think you just have to cope with it. And how about Adam Christman's performance? It seems like 
just a month ago, we were talking about um, how far down in the depth chart he'd fall. It seemed like he wasn't going to get off the bench anytime soon. And you know, now over the past two games, he's you know, really played a lot better. Yeah, you know, I think Adam has kind of figured out that this is last chance balloon for him, you know. I mean, he's gotten a little lucky in the sense that uh, Swellman is still out injured and Mansali's off with the Gambian national team. So, I mean, there aren't a lot of options for the Revolution up front. And when they're playing at home, they're certainly not going to go to a 3-6-1. So that gives Chrisman an opportunity, and it looks like he seized it so far. And have you heard at all about... uh call-ups for some of these other players in the next coming weeks. I know Renata has a game coming up. Uh, Bermuda has a game coming up. Are the Rose going to be without these players, do you think, uh, for the next couple matches? My understanding is that both Kano and Shalri are going to be called up to their respective national teams, but, you know, that that could change. Certainly the Rose have played uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys in this year. Uh, guys like Gary Flood have seen some time, but not a lot of time lately. Uh, but a guy like Joseph has played every minute of every game this year. I don't think his impact can be understated. How do you think he'll affect the team? Uh, how do you think his absence will affect the team in these next couple games? I mean, obviously, you can't afford to lose a guy like Shalry Joseph. You know, a, a shoo-in for MLS Best 11 pretty much every year. and You know, he's the kind of guy that influences games whether you notice him or not. And obviously the Reds are going to miss when he's not in the lineup, but at the same time, too, it's not like Steve Nichol hasn't chopped and changed so far this year, and, you know, the Revolution always seem to find a way to grind out results no matter who's on the field for them. Yeah, I understand, Kyle. They're going to ask you to suit up. Yeah, God, I hope not, because <laughs> they're in trouble. Kind of changing the subject a little bit. I know you had a column up on uh, Gold.com a little while ago about the, the streamers uh, the Columbus game, the game in Columbus where uh, really there were, there were other items thrown in addition to the streamers when uh, I know Rawlson was going to take the corner kick. Uh, there was also another incident there, too, that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, where Garber recently came out and uh, haven't, haven't caught a fan yet for making a, a, a racial slur in that game, uh, but has said when they find him that he will be banned for life from all MLS stadiums. But uh, back to the streamer issue, wh- what do you think needs to be done about that? Uh, is it going too far when you know they're impeding these corner kicks and you know, holding up the game? You know, I think when it comes to streamers, I, I like the streamers. I think, you know, it, it's just another sign of the atmosphere that is steadily developing um, in MLS stadiums. But I, I think to the point when it starts to impact the game, um, that's when you have to draw the line. And, you know, like I said in that column, I'm fine with them throwing streamers so long as they're not at players. Um, you know, and if a player comes over to take a corner kick and, can't take it because of the streamers, well, then he should stop and get rid of the streamers and then take it, you know. Um, It's one of those difficult things for the league office because you want the atmosphere, but you don't necessarily want the situation to remain as it is right now. And I know Garber had a statement on that, too, about, uh, you know, the streamers are fine, but uh, if they continue throwing them at players and impeding the game, that that will become a problem and they'll, they'll have to ban streamers altogether. Is that a threat that you know might work from the front office or is more need to be done? I, you know, I I think the league has kind of soft-pedaled this um, at the outset, you know, because this is not something they've really faced before. And, you know, I, I think Columbus has got off a little bit lucky um, with their situation. And, 
you know, Garber's put everybody on notice. And, you know, there's there's written documentation now that says, if you do this, you know, there are going to be consequences. Now it's up to Garber to come through and, you know, show those consequences. Do you think the league is headed in the right direction now with uh, more teams coming in the next few years? I know we've seen... Uh, some of the expansion teams struggling early in the first couple of years, but San Jose is playing pretty well. Is there enough talent in the U.S. and in this league to you know, keep supporting this expansion? Well, you know, the thing with expansion is, you know, I, I think you can find players uh, to play, uh, but you're also going to need to bring in some more foreign talent. And, you know, I think the league has done a decent job of that this year. I mean, you've seen some players... Um, come into the league and make an impact, but you've also seen some players who came in and washed out, you know, and, and it's the, the salary levels that MLS uh, is pinning these foreign players in, that's what's going to happen because you, you've got, you're taking gambles on guys who are making high five figures, low six figures, and, and you're hoping they work, and I don't know if that's the way to, to build the quality of play. For me this year, the, the quality of play has decreased a little bit, um, defensively, um, but attacking-wise, I feel like that the league is getting better and better each year. And, you know, interesting you note that the teams that have gone out and gotten these players haven't been the teams that have been really successful over the past couple of years. Um, this year may be a little bit different with Los Angeles doing better and Chicago doing better, but that is a good point that, you know, maybe that's not the right approach for teams to take or the league to take. I know we saw with Los Angeles last year, you know, a, a lot of players... They've, they've gotten some high-name, big-name expensive players, and then they're, you know, the rest of the team, maybe not so good, and they struggled because of it this year, a little bit different, but uh, that is an interesting point. Uh, but looking at the Revs, they certainly haven't gotten that approach. You've seen a lot of you know, not very highly paid players coming in, y- younger guys like Mansali and Niasi. Uh, how do you think these players are going to impact the team, not just this year, but in the future? Well, you know, we can only wait and see. I mean, the early returns are fantastic. I mean, both Mansali and Niasi have had a fantastic impact on this team and you know they're to the point now where at least Niasi can say that he's probably a, a starting 11 caliber guy and you know you can make the argument that Mansali's going to be that guy too um, you know for Steve Nichol and Paul Mariner to go up to Canada last year and pick a couple of guys playing local ball out of the Gambia and bring them to the United States and develop them to the point where they can have impacts on the game. You know, I think that says a lot about what the Revolution have been able to do talent-wise over the past couple of years. And that's a good point, too, but uh, looking at the Revs, you know, even prior to the midpoint of last season, they were really were a team that didn't bring in, you know, really any players under 20. That was kind of unheard of for them, and now they've got a lot of a lot of good young talent on this team. Uh, do you have any insight into what what maybe has changed this coaching staff's mind to you know put a lot of focus on some of these younger players? You know, I, I don't know if it's a, a change in the coaching staff's philosophy. I think it's just a, a matter of trying to go out and get players that are available. Um, you know, and you know we've seen time and time again that the Revs are they, they struggle a little bit in the transfer market uh, to go out and get players, and, and these are guys that they could go out and they saw. Um, and they knew they could make an impact, so they went out and got them. Um, they're also guys who are on the cheap. I think that helps, too. And they've brought in, we should mention, they've brought in a couple of you know, uh, other players recently, too, making some, in, in some transactions within the league, bringing in a guy like Pat Flynn from Toronto, who's a, you know, a local guy. Uh, do you think any of these guys coming in, uh, 
not getting a lot of attention, but might see some time, particularly with all these international absences? Well, I think Thielen's going to play. Um, Gary Flood's been struggling with an injury, um, and you don't go out and get Thielen just to, to sit him on the bench, I, I don't think. I think with Joseph's impending absence and Flood still not 100% healthy, I think Thielen's going to get some time in the center of the field um, over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, we'll see if that turns out to... Um, be a good thing for the revolution or not, but you know, Thielen's the kind of guy who's had a lot of college success, and he fits the mold of the type of player that the revolution has sought over the past couple of years, um, and who they have turned into successful MLS players. Have you seen him play, Kyle? I have not, so I, I can't really tell you much on the ins and outs of, of that feeling. I know that the people from the people I've talked to that the reviews are fantastic. You know about oh, his, that's good. His um. You know, his ability, and, you know, I've heard comparisons to a, a Jeff Lorenowitz type of player, just a, a heady kind of guy who, you know, can make that first pass and really um, distribute the ball. So, uh, you know, the, the early signs are good, but, you know, the other thing you got to think about when you've got a Pat Thielen coming in is that the Reds didn't really give up a whole lot to get him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out um, over the next couple of weeks for Thielen. And what about Tierney? Tierney Tierney's a guy that um, Paul Mariner has um, known uh, from its days of the Greater Boston Bowl. Sam Brill's another one. Um, yeah. Tierney's, a, Tierney's a good player. Um, I think he's a little bit far away from the first team at this point. I don't think he's going to have an impact on the first team this year. You know, and, and we'll see. You know, some players get through and some players don't, and it's going to just depend on how he develops over the the course of the rest of the year to see whether he makes an impact on the first team next year. Have you been surprised at all by how the league's played out this year? There's been a lot of teams uh, made big improvements from last year, and a team like D.C., uh, and even Houston haven't been playing so well. Uh, then you got Chicago in second place with the worst home record in all of MLS. <laughs> you know, this has been an odd season. Um, you know, there's, there's no other way to describe it, but, um, I mean, you got to put Columbus in there, too, um, with their surprising success. And, uh, but the thing I keep telling everybody is that, look, the MLS regular season, it doesn't really matter. I mean, really, at this point in the season, teams are just trying to figure out what they have so they can go out in July and get what they don't have and push for the playoffs towards the, the last third of the season. Um, you're going to get some weird results, and it's just going to be a matter of figuring out, well, which teams are going to be able to hold up over the regular season well enough to get in the playoffs, and then who can make an impact when they get there. I don't think anyone's ready to predict this year that the Revs are going to go all the way after the past few years, but uh, do you think this is a squad that can you know, maybe repeat the last year's success and at least make it back to the cup final? You know, uh, I think that the Revolution are always going to be there at the end, um, just with the way that they're organized and the old heads that they've got. Um, on the team, but for me, if this team's going to win MLS Cup, I think they need to go out and get another striker. Um, just someone, there needs to be some depth up front, and I don't think you win MLS Cup with the forward line as presently comprised. That's not to say um, that Dubé and Mansali and Christman haven't done the job so far this year. It's just that, you know, if you're going to go out and win and get over that hump, I think you're going to need a little bit more quality than that. Do you I'm think... I'm uh, oh, sorry, Kyle. Uh, Kyle. Do you think next year, where we have, as you said, 
Masali and Nyasi and even Dubay. They're all new. They're all relatively green. Um, and they won't, they'll have some impact, but they, they won't have quite as much impact as we might like to see if they're around next year and they've got that much more seasoning. Do you think yeah, that'll? No, I think, I think that they've got, I think all three of those guys in town. I'm a little higher on Dubay and Mansali than I am on Christmas. Um, yeah. You know, I think those are guys who can, can continue to have an impact in this league. But you've also got to remember, you know, being, being a first year player is, is a burden, but it's also a blessing because play, players and teams don't know how to play you. You know, yeah. we've seen that a little bit this year with Luciano Emilio. You know, Emilio scores, what, 20, 21 goals last year, and I think he picked up his third or fourth goal last night. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's adjustments on both sides. You know, do I think those guys have the talent um, to be MLS players over the long haul? Yes. I, I'm unequivocal in that. Um, but it's all just a, a, a method of trying to uh, adapt and, and figure out how things will work. And before we let you go, could you tell us a little about well, what people can see at uh, Goal.com and uh, what you have planned for those for that site and everywhere else you write for? Well, you know, I'm always busy, Sean. So, um, But on Mondays, uh, check out my... Uh, Monday MLS Breakdown. It's on Goal.com. We post it nice and early on Monday morning. It's a great wrap-up of everything that's going on in the league um, over the course of the week. Try and take a broad-based look at everything. Um, you know, also check out MLS.com during the week. Um, there's always stuff there. And, you know, if you pick up a random newspaper, you probably see me every once in a while, too. So, Yeah, every once in a while I see that name. Kyle McCarthy. Yeah. I didn't know he wrote for them. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the great work. Hey, no problem, Sean. Have a good one. Enjoy. Yeah, take care, Kyle. Yep. Again, that was uh, Kyle McCarthy. You can check out his work at uh, Gold.com as well as uh, MLSNut.com, among uh, other sites. Uh, we are going to take a break in just a second, but before we do, the uh, U.S. national team game uh, is about to get underway. The lineups are certainly out now. Uh, good to see Josh Wolf not in the lineup again today. Uh, but... <laughs> Landon Donovan back in, which is a good sign for yeah. the U.S. I think they certainly missed him uh, in their past two games, which I should mention. A 1-0 loss to Spain, where they played a little bit better, and a 2-0 loss to England the, the week before that. Uh, not a great performance. Uh, as I mentioned, it's against Spain, a little bit better. Uh, they had a couple chances in that game. Eddie Johnson looked better. Freddie Adu played very well, I thought, and combined well with uh, Johnson in the first half. I think he picked up a little knock at halftime, but it sounded like he was ready to go today. Uh, but again, he's not in the starting lineup. Uh, but a, a little bit of a different lineup there with Danny Califf starting in the center of the defense. I'm yeah. not sure that's the best move there, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Steve Trundle at right back, Heath Pierce at left back. Um, of course, uh, Gucci Onyewu back in the center of defense. And then the midfield, uh, pretty much the same with Michael Bradley, Clint Dempsey, Demarcus Beasley, and then Pablo Mastorani getting a start. Uh, so a, a little bit of a change for the U.S. there. What do you think of that lineup? Um... I'll let you know after I go home and watch the game. <laughs> um, it, it's it's an interesting lineup, but I I, I assume you've got it in front of you, and I don't. And I assume they got Howard Howard and goal. Yeah, Howard and goal. Well, of course they should have Matt Reese, but that's another story. Um, I I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised Freddie's not starting. Where he he's sometimes has not been my favorite player, but he has picked it up. He is he is steadily improving, and I'd really like to see him out there again. Again, the U.S. taking on Argentina tonight. Donovan getting his 100th appearance for the national team. Wow, yeah, that's right. Amazing right. at his age. What is he, still 26, I believe. Yeah. And uh, well, We are going to take another quick break here, and then we'll be back with uh, Bernardo Fias from the Houston Chronicle 
to discuss a little bit about the uh, Revs' upcoming game on Thursday against the Houston Dynamo, who, of course, they've lost to in the past two MLS Cup finals. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in the studio by Joyce Furia. We are still trying to get Bernardo Fias over the phone. Having a little trouble getting a hold of him, but uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted and let you know when we can get in touch with him. Of course, the Revs playing up against Houston again. Right. They started the season off with it's a big 3 nothing victory, uh, but Houston has picked things up a little bit. Uh, they've gone uh, with only one loss in the month of May. Uh, definitely playing better than they were when the Revs took them on at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they definitely are. Un- unfortunately, if I, I, it just concerns me. Maybe it's bad luck or maybe it's karma or something, how we've met them in the MLS Cup and lost twice. <laughs> yes, certainly certainly not the best results for the Revs over those two years. Yeah. Uh, and hard way for them to lose, picking up leads in both of those games and then giving them back up. Yeah. Uh, but it uh, should be interesting to see how this game goes, of course, without probably without Joseph, as we said. Um, I know I know Joseph needs to be, is, is, been, is likely going to be called up for the weekend game. Of course, this game's on a Thursday. I have trouble seeing him playing on Thursday and then going down for that game uh, with Granada, but you never know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's he's such a team player. He just might. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I um, I'm looking forward to watching it. We talked about the Revs' defense before, and I think that it, it's still a, it, it's still a problem. Heaps, as we said, Heaps is playing better. Albright, well, I guess it was an, he was an okay pickup. Um, and Parker, I, I still think Albright's a better player in a four-man back line. Uh, maybe not. That yeah, good point. Good point. Three-man back line. Yeah, good point. And hopefully Parkhurst gets back to his form of last year, because he was definitely playing better, stronger. I, mean, I haven't heard he has any injuries or anything, but uh, 
yeah, I would like to see him play like he did last year. He's such a smart player. And it, for for other reasons too, it should be an interesting game because I would imagine that Houston should have a couple of call ups as well. I mean, Dwayne Dirosaya for Canada, I would guess would be getting yeah. a call up for their qualifying campaign. Um, I don't know if uh, uh, a couple of players there that are probably still in the picture too. Um, Brian Ching, you never know, he might get a call up for the U.S. team. A couple of players on that team, uh, they have a lot of international players as well, yeah. so it could be. Two very different teams playing in this one than what we saw in the last year's MLS Cup and even at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I guess I'm surprised Ching wasn't called up for this last game because he has been getting the call up fairly, fairly often lately. Yeah, the, the only the only thing to think about there is maybe he was focusing on the European players. I think they only had maybe one or two MLS players, you know, in the lineup those past couple of games. But um, I would imagine that he uh, certainly over a guy like Josh Wolf. At least we can only hope we get some playing time <laughs> in these upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. You, wh- what you said earlier, I think you're quite right. Focusing on the Europeans who are not playing the way MLS is playing right now. You know, where everybody needs their uh, the members of the team, if at all possible. Where this is, you know, these are friendlies. This isn't competition for the World Cup spots right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. It's going to be fun to watch. Definitely should be. I should tonight's game. Uh, against Argentina, um, I think it's important for the U.S. to get a better result than they've gotten in the past two games. They build some confidence going into the World Cup qualifying, regardless of how uh, easily they should be able to beat a team like Barbados. But you can you can never underestimate these teams. Yeah, I'm. I'm now Dempsey's playing. Of course, I'm a Dempsey fan since he was here for so long. Um, Dempsey's playing midfield. Um, I, I'm surprised he hasn't scored more this year, either either for a U.S. national team. Or, in fact, for Fulham, he didn't... I don't know what... I, I know he did score, but I, I don't know what his record was there. No, he didn't, didn't have as many goals, I believe, as last season. But, yeah. Uh, he was having... Played a, in a couple of different positions for Fulham. Played on the left midfield a little oh, bit. Oh, that's right. Year. Yeah, that's um, true. Played really all over the field for them. And then, uh, for a period, wasn't playing at all for them, which is a little bit surprising, too. Yeah. Uh, but Fulham, in general, wasn't a team that scored that many goals. Uh, Brian McBride scored a couple of big ones, despite missing the majority of the season with an injury, but... Um, I, I think we should expect more goals from him than maybe we've seen recently with the U.S. national team. Um, yeah. with, with Donovan in the lineup, though, I think that might help him as well, with the U.S. having a couple more threats. Well, I definitely want them to win tonight, but I'd really prefer it if they waited, oh, about half an hour, so that when this show is over, I'll be home in time to watch it. Yeah, that, that would be a, a, a good <laughs> thing, certainly, uh, to see the U.S. come coming back to the game. I believe still hasn't started yet, but it's getting closer to kick yeah. off there. Yeah. We'll keep you up to date in case there are any scores uh, during the last 15 minutes of the show. But uh, going back to the Revs coming up against Houston, I think another thing to think about this Houston team is, um, I know we were discussing D.C. a couple weeks ago and why they'd struggled to start the season. Something that came up was that you know they had been playing in the CONCACAF Champions Cup and made it to the semifinals, playing yeah. in these, you know, these win-or-go-home winner games, and then they come into the MLS season where you know really the playoffs are what matters and you should be able to make the playoffs uh, unless you play pretty poorly. Maybe it's a little bit harder to get motivated at the start of the season, and maybe that's why we've seen now that Houston's turned things around and you know playing better has kind of gotten out of that mindset. Kyle's comment, which I think is absolutely right on, is that it doesn't really matter right now, and I don't like that. I mean, the guys go out, they they play their hearts out, they win their games or lose their games, but whatever happens right now doesn't matter as far as next fall goes, and. I really think I would love to see them revamp it somehow. Well, I, th- I think that's happening um, just with, as more teams come in. There's yeah, fighting for good the same point. amount of teams fighting 
the more teams fighting for the same amount of spots. I mean, even this year, there's seven teams in the conference. Uh, three won't be making the playoffs, which is a bit better than what we've seen in the past. Uh, still, still, you know, more than 50% of the teams are making the playoffs, which I yeah. think is a problem. But yeah, if they keep this system and they keep expanding, then eventually it will come to a point where, you know, all the games really matter. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But at the same time, we've seen some teams get off into an early hole, uh, like DC United, and it's not easy to fight back from that. Yeah, I'm surprised they're doing so poorly this year. I mean, compared to what they've done in the past. And you know who I love to watch on DC? is Jaime Moreno. How old is that man? It's incredible. That and he, he still is still, out, I mean, he's he's been here since the very, very beginning. And he's still out there, you know, doing his job. I, I think it's fantastic. Leading the team in goals and assists yet again. <laughs> uh, although we should, should note that three of his four goals are from penalty kicks, which should also come as no surprise. But uh, really a player that I, I have to admit I was not expecting to have the season he's having right now. Um, despite yeah. DC's struggles, he's playing very well. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, but as we mentioned, the Revs have a game coming up against Houston. They have a very busy schedule coming up. If you look at their schedule on their website, you certainly wouldn't know it. That not, <laughs> not many games mentioned in July, uh, which is a little bit surprising. But uh, the Super League is coming up in July. Of course, they have a game July 13th uh, against Santos. And then uh, that Wednesday, they have a game against Pachuca. And then the following Sunday, they have a game against Chivas USA. Uh, this is a competition that I, I thought was very exciting last year, despite um, being no, no big... There's a million-dollar prize on the line, but uh, right. it's it's not it's a first-year tournament, um, and it was still very exciting. A lot of good games produced, and I think we can expect a lot more of them this year. Yeah. To, 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 to digress back to last Friday and the Brazilian, do you think do you think that that a doubleheader like that, bringing in people who don't have much use for MLS, um, that we want any converts? Um, I, I have trouble believing that because, first of all, the Revs were playing well in the first half. They yeah. weren't there watching it. Second half, not a good performance from the That's Revs true. at all. Um, and this is when the crowd began to fill in. People began yeah. to watch it. I, I don't think that was a performance in the second half that would have won over any fans. And, of course, they've done this a lot in the past uh, where they've had doubleheader games uh, watching the Revs play. And you haven't really seen a spike in the games following that. It hasn't really been an increase in attendance. So as much as... You know, it's, it's an opportunity for the Rebels to win over some fans. I think it's a hard thing to do. I think a lot of them come up there with the mindset that, you know, this is an inferior product. And when you think that and you're watching the game, then, you know, it's hard to be convinced otherwise, uh, as good as MLS has gotten over the years. But yeah. as, as, as good of an idea as it is, I don't think it's had you know, necessarily an effect of bringing more fans over to the Rebels. Yeah, as, as I told you earlier, I was when I got to the field, when I went out on the field about 10 after 6, it was kind of appalling to see how empty the stadium was. Two hours later, it was packed. Yeah, definitely, and it uh, did fill up towards the end. I think now, though, we do have uh, Bernardo Fias over the phone. Uh, just a couple minutes left here, but we can uh, talk a little bit more about and get his opinion on that Houston team and you know, what's going on now. Bernardo, can you hear me? Maybe we still don't have him on there. Or can you hear me now, Bernardo? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, yep, I can now. Okay, great. How are you all? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, thank you. Sorry, I, 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 I couldn't hear the, the phone calling me, so I apologize for the late uh, late connection here. That's all right. What do you think about this Houston team this year? They, they started off poorly, but uh, definitely improved a little bit over the past month. Well, I'll tell you what. Dominic Kinnear has been trying to uh, to adjust his lineup uh, just to, like, 
find the right chemistry at forward at the forward spot uh, because obviously the Ching uh, Caraccio uh, duo did not produce uh, to start the season and uh, with uh, New England coming to town uh, on Thursday it's going to be interesting because the lineup that he's going to be that he's going to be using today against Toronto FC he won't be able to repeat against uh, against New England he's going to play Ching and De Rosario up top today. But the Rosario, as we know, is going to be with the Canadian national team ahead of their uh, World Cup qualifier. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be another another uh, another game where uh, Kinnear is going to have to experiment. But like you said, the team is is uh, is, is getting better. I think they're three one and one. Their last five games after a, a pretty uh, pretty sorry start to the season. Yeah, and you mentioned De Rosario is going to be out. I know we were talking earlier about some of the Reds players that are going to be out. You know, key guys like Shari Joseph that will likely miss the match. Uh, are there any other players from the Dynamo that you think might get a call-up for uh, the World Cup qualifiers on the weekend? Well, you know, uh, obviously the Rosario is going to be out. Uh, I also know that Pat Onstad has been recalled by the Canadian national team, so we're going to be uh, we're going to be short those two players. And uh, I would not doubt for a second that Bob Bradley is thinking about calling either Ricardo Clark or Brian Ching or both for the uh, for the series against the uh, uh, against uh, the Barbados. So. I could see I could see those two guys um, depending on whether the the U.S. calls camp uh, early in the week. I could see them uh, miss uh, Thursday's match against uh, New England as well. And Houston's have has a very good record at home uh, in comparison to to their away record. Um, is there anything to explain that? And you think uh, it's not a good judge of what we're going to see on Thursday uh, based on what we saw in the season opening match between the two teams? I, well, I don't think so, uh, simply because, like you said, uh, they're so good at home, and they're very good at home at this time of the year because this is when, when it's really starting to get hot and humid here, and teams such as New England may not be used to, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the heat and humidity, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to wear them down. There's no question about it. New England has to be smart and come over here and conserve energy in the first half to have anything left for the second uh, and that's something that we're probably going to see Toronto do today uh, because again they're not used to not so much the heat but the humidity that just takes a toll on you that and and obviously the crowd always plays a plays a, a role in the uh, in the home dominance uh, the Dynamo are also very comfortable here at Robertson Stadium because it's an inter- it's a very small pitch um, not the smallest by any means but it's kind of it's kind of short and, and it plays to their game of of possession of uh, you know instead of uh, like having to chase long balls and stuff like that like some other teams do. And something we mentioned earlier when we were trying to figure out you know what had caused DC's slow start similar to Houston's. Um, do you think that playing in the Concacaf Champions Cup, um, playing in these games where you really you, you got to win these games, you know must win games, and then going into the MLS season where uh, most of the teams make the playoffs, uh, maybe that kind of affected them, kind of get, getting motivated to going into these games. Absolutely. Like if you if you recall last year, the Dynamo went through the same thing, and so did DC. Um, I uh, wrote a, an article about two months ago about slow starts in MLS after Concacaf uh, competition, and and it, it it was incredible to see uh, all but two teams uh, had losing records after ten games uh, after participating in the Concacaf uh, Champions Cup. So. Um, I, I don't know that it's something physical. Obviously, some teams will pick up injuries along the way, but I think I think a lot of it is mental. Uh, I know last year when the when the Dynamo lost uh, at Pachuca, that had a tremendous mental effect on them. Um, and again, 
with them losing to Saprissa uh, in March, uh, I, I think it, it took away from them uh, some of the some of the confidence that they had built with their wins at Municipal and the other preseason wins. And I think I think they pay for that uh, in the first five or six, seven games of the season. And how did the losses of Nguyenia and uh, Jake with the two you know, second and third choice forwards for the Dynamo uh, affect this team? Well, I'll tell you what, the, I mean, the Dynamo are still trying to figure out uh, a way to get speed up top. And obviously we, we've seen Dominic Kinnear try to put uh, Brian Mullen, who's pretty speedy, uh, you know, pair him up with uh, Brian Ching. Uh, Kyle Brown, he's tried Kyle Brown because Kyle Brown has some speed to burn, but, but none of that has worked out. Uh, we thought that Franco Caraccio was going to be faster than he really is. And uh, obviously, so the... the the, the team is kind of like two-dimensional right now because they doesn't have that threat of speed. Someone like Nguyenia who just take off and beat the uh, offsides and, and go in and for the score. With Nate Jaqua, what Nate Jaqua was really good at was uh, attracting players uh, away from Brian Ching, giving Brian Ching space to uh, to work uh, work with because uh, Nate Jaqua was such a tall and physical forward that he he would require at least you know a player. On him at all times. Otherwise, he uh, he would he would also pose a threat. So uh, the team, you know, doesn't have either of those uh, those guys, and I think it's still paying the price. It's still trying to figure out a way to compensate for that loss. Obviously, if Nguyenia and uh, and or Jaqua uh, wish to come back to MLS, I think the the team has saved enough money under the salary cap to uh, to sign at least one of them because they they know they need them. And we do have to wrap things up in a second here, but I, I know you're covering the uh, Toronto game tonight. Uh, but what do you have planned for this coming week to kind of look forward to that match uh, for the Houston Chronicle? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I know for a fact in talking to the guys uh, that their 3-0 loss to start the season against New England was probably the worst loss they have experienced as, a, as Dynamo players. And they're going to be uh, you know, ready to roll come Thursday night, and, and I want, I'm, I'm going to be writing about that, about their sentiment, about how they think that the team has changed in, uh, in the two months since, and, and, and how, uh, you know, how, how it, it looks to, uh, to take on a revolution team that's, that's extremely hot right now. You know, I, I was looking at the standings and the schedule, and I mean, the refs have won, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but four out of the last five, and five out of the last seven, so and that's a pretty good record right now that, uh, that the refs are taking a uh, Robertson Stadium on Thursday. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and uh, keep up the great work for the Houston Chronicle, and should be a great game coming up on Thursday between the Revs and the Dynamo. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Again, that was uh, Bernardo Fias from the Houston Chronicle. You can check out his work at uh, cron.com, C-H-R-O-N.com, and uh, get kind of the Houston viewpoint coming up for that game. Uh, what are your final thoughts looking My that? final thoughts is for the next couple of days, the Revs are going to be practicing in heat and humidity. So I have a feeling they're going to be ready for Thursday. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Again, you can get the archives at revolutionrecap.com, and uh, certainly check out Joyce's pictures at soccernewengland.com. And I know my articles are up there, too, and we'll be back next week. Fifty years of service to the Blackstone Valley, this is 1380 WNRI Woonsocket. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.